Hello and welcome to the Lager Tops podcast with Jimmy, Remy and Maya. How are we doing, guys? The anticipation of... Oh, well, I know you haven't introduced the beers we're drinking this week, so I don't want to ruin the surprise, but we've really got some corkers in front of me on the table. And that's, you know, <laughs> I haven't been able to sleep with the anticipation of these thirst-quenching beers. Very good. Maya, what about you? Yeah, I've been gearing up for this. You know, we're going to be drinking a number of different beers this week and it's a lot of volume for me. So I've been I've been doing some prep, been doing some midweek drinking in preparation. Have you done any midweek vomiting in a urinal or toilet in preparation for drinking all these excellent beers? No, I thought don't want to do too much in advance. Got to leave something for the day. Yeah. So what are we doing this week? Okay, so this week we are going to have our first foray into industrial lagers. Yay! So I'll probably note this is going to be the first in a series not consecutively but we will revisit this topic again just because it's had such a massive impact on the sort of beer industry and the beer scene over the past and they, they, they really mean a lot to you as well don't they Rem like they do mean a lot to me some of these beers are really they close really to my take heart. you back they take me back to warm days in a park or a warm beer in a plastic warm beer <laughs> warm beer basically any nice warm beer that shouldn't be warm so this episode, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through five of the, the big industrial lagers. We're going to talk about Stella, Carlsberg, Cronenborg, 1664, Becks and Fosters. And and Rem, sorry, for our non-beer noises, can you explain mm. what an industrial lager is? Uh, an industrial lager is a lager beer, probably originally deriving from Pilsners as well, a lot of these, that were then blown up to a massive industrial scale and nine times out of ten, due to cost-cutting and rationalisation, had the production time reduced the care reduced and the sourcing of the ingredients reduced to produce a cheaper product that I would argue isn't always great, but if it's served super chill, it's a good way of refreshing people. I think combined with a lot of adverts from the sort of 70s onwards really came to dominate the UK beer scene from sort of the 1980s through to about 2010. Mass pro- I mean, mass produce is a bit of a silly word when you come to beer because it doesn't really matter how much beer you're making. If you're selling it, you're obviously mass producing it. But this, yeah. this is on a, on a scale that's, that's literally massive. You know, we're, yeah. t- we're talking millions of litres knocked out at a time. So, yeah, I think your analysis is pretty, fairly fair there that you know they're they've they're trying to make as much profit from from a product and also the other thing that they need to do is it needs to be consistent you know we may not like the taste but what they're trying to guarantee is that if you want a pint of fosters say doesn't matter which pub you're going to where you're getting it from it tastes like a pint of fosters there's no kind of like oh yeah let's mm, that's you know that one's it's it's all got to taste exactly the same people are they know what they're looking for and you know that's why they knock it out at the volume they do yeah and then a lot of these are now run by some of the big boys like ab and bev or molson cores or carlsberg group heineken heineken yeah actually i don't think any of these are owned by heineken but um yeah some of the the super big boys in the brewing industry which a lot of people hate i'd say 20 since the 2010s we've sort of seen these beers decline in popularity and i'd say now that they're, they're only kind of like the preserve of your slug and lettuces and places like that whereas before i'd say from like the 90s through to 2010 they'd be in like every single pub whereas now not even like outside of craft bars. You'll see some pubs that even the lager won't be one of these. Or... It's more likely to be like Peroni. Yeah. Or yeah. in London, there's so much Camden House. Well, um... that is a controversial yeah. thing you've raised there. Ooh. And we will be going on to talk about that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I've well, jumped ahead. No, no, well, that's okay. You know, we're all jumping about. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll just go through taste each of these five beers and we'll kind of chat about our 
sort of be a bit boring and, and give someone everyone a bit of context about them because there are some actually quite interesting facts about some of these beers and then we'll kind of taste them try them see how we feel about them and then also talk about their kind of cultural significance because i think all of these maybe less so beck's cronenberg have a bit of a sort of definitely cultural connotations to them in the uk all i would say as well is most of our observations are probably uk based i have yeah. no idea what french drinkers for example think of carlsberg if anyone gets upset by that, sorry. And they are also all opinions, not yeah, facts. Not facts. <laughs> I do not want AB Hinbev coming from Everything me. I say is a fact. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Okay, well, let's crack on then. So our first beer today is Stella Artois. So Stella Artois, as we know it today, was actually first brewed in 1926 as a Christmas special by the Artois Brewery, which was founded in... Yeah, yeah, Christmas special, believe it or not. That's why I think you'll find on the label there's a star... Oh, and yeah. that star's like Christmas oh, yeah, related. That does look like the and the, yeah. and the horn. Yeah, and the I can't remember what the horns about, but yeah, the star's the big one. And it says since 1366, so I think Artois Brewery was 1717, and they basically were based on a brewery that existed before then, earlier yeah. in the Middle Ages. It sort of turned up in the UK in the 1970s, and it was actually, believe it or not, at like a premium lager brand they still think they're a premium lager brand i mean it says premium lager beer on the literal bottle mm. yeah like i remember the adverts from when we were kids and you know that was the 90s and they were even then still marketing it as like a posh drink to me the stella advert is the ferrero rocher advert of the beer world yeah. like it's something mm. that chop, chop the lid off it serve it in the yeah. glass yeah it's yeah. something that isn't posh but the advert makes you think it is. Well, Stella themselves, basically throughout the 80s and 90s, they were cra- they were crazy popular in the UK. And then throughout the noughties, they had a bit of a dip in that they realised they were getting the negative connotations of wife beater. And then that's when they really kickstarted all these new adverts. Why? I mean, why is the wife beater connotation a thing? I don't really know where it came from. I think it had a bit of a reputation as becoming a bit of silly juice. Yeah, it makes you a bit angry, doesn't it? And also, it's not even like it's that particularly high percentage. It's lower percentage than some of the other ones we're going to come to. Well, I mean, on the bottle now, Jimmy, I'm assuming you're seeing a big fat 4.6. Yeah, that's what I've got. So that is a recent change. Oh, right, okay. So in the 90s into the 90s... It's 5.2. Right, yeah. So that, I think, is one of the reasons, because it was a higher alcohol percentage. And that yeah, I mean, was, it re- was it relatively cheap? Yeah, yeah. It was. It would cost the same as another lager. So I think the thing was, people that wanted to go out and get wasted, for lack of a better <laughs> word, would, would, would have their pints of Stella. I mean... Though really, anyone who wants to get properly wasted shouldn't isn't really meant to be drinking. You wouldn't be drinking beer, you'd have thought. But I think that's where it mm. kind of came from. It was that higher percentage industrial lager, whereas some of the other ones, I suppose, are around four percent. I think what's especially interesting is that Stella Artois, the brewery, Artois Brewery, is is in Belgium, but it's actually in. I've now forgive me my my Flemish uh, is non-existent. Is in Leuven, Leuven, Leuven. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to help which you is a, Which is a Flemish-speaking region of, of of Belgium, and yet all of the advertising for Stella Artois is in, French. is in French, which I think is quite interesting. Almost like there's the assumption that the French connotations make it a premium product in the UK, yeah. sort of enforced. I mean, if I was Flemish, I guess I'd be a bit annoyed about it. Is given... it advertised yeah. as French other places in the world i don't know i'll be honest i just had a look and one of their old one of stella's original advertising campaigns was 
Stellas for the fellas who take their lager strong. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think they now regret this. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was basically because it was 5.2, whereas everything else was like 4. So it was, if you want to get shit-faced... And then afterwards would maybe potentially be aggressive. Mm. Stella's the drink for you. And now they've kind of gone super heavy on the French stuff, haven't they? Even with their like cider, their like cecide, cecide, cider. It's cider. Yeah, which I think is quite interesting. Have you tried the cider? Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, yeah, you haven't. Yeah. yeah, it's me. I've tried every cider. And what do you think? I don't think it's too bad. Like for it's cider. definitely better than some, but it's it's not as good as others that you can get just as easily in the supermarket for a similar price. Yeah. I'm bracing for the day I'm allowed to do a cider episode. <laughs> and Excited. I get, and I get to have my revenge and make you all drink 10 pints of like 9% scrumpy. Mmm. <laughs> Another interesting thing about Stella is that they, together with a group of other breweries, founded Interbrew, which then basically... Morphed into AB and Bev, yeah. which are now them and Molson Coors are the two biggest drinks. Well, really, I thought Heineken would be. Heineken's massive as well. Heineken's still family owned, whereas AB and Bev and Molson Coors are the two like conglomerations. Can't wait till we do a Heineken episode. <clears throat> Heinies, yeah, you know, big fan of the Heinies. I like Heineken, but also like I think it would be interesting to do a whole episode on them, the, the other beers they have, mm. and stuff like that. Okay, so shall we give this badger a, a try? What does everyone think of the of the Stella? I think it's all right. I think it's much better on draft than it is out the bottle. I think it has a bit, agree. A bit of a soapy taste. I know, Remy, you say it's a, a soapy kind of... You When you're talking about craft beer and particularly crafty beers, you use that. But it has this kind of soapy taste for me out the bottle. Whereas I actually think on draft, it's all right. It's quite refreshing. Again, I wouldn't want to drink a lot of it. Maybe now they've dropped the... The percentage a bit. It's out of the bunch we've got in front of us. It's one of the better ones. I think it was a good one to start with. It's quite bitter, I think. Mm. But weirdly, like it's it's for me, it's bitter at the front, but then that doesn't last through. So I get like an initial bitterness, but by the time I swallow it, it doesn't still taste bitter. <laughs> that sounds so rude. <laughs> sounds <a bit> rude. <laughs> Fantastic. Just smile, maybe. Don't say the word swallow. Excellent. What do I Ever. <laughs> you could talk about the mouthfeel. <laughs> okay. Um, it's bitter at the start and not bitter bit, yeah, at the end. Yeah, it's bitter at the start, not at the end. So the actress, the bishop. I'll be honest. You find it bitter at the end? Yeah. No, so this doesn't, it doesn't like linger on my palate. I think it's got quite a biscuity taste. Yeah, I actually don't mind Stella. I, I agree with you that I think it's better on draft. And I, I mean, the last time... I had Stella on draft. It was actually in a Cafe Rouge because we couldn't get in the pub next door because it was full. So we just had five pints of Stella at Cafe Rouge. Yeah. And I actually quite enjoyed it. But what I would say is my little head in the morning was not happy with me. Stella's not my favourite yeah. of the industrial lagers. Heineken is my favourite, but we're not drinking that today. But I actually don't think Stella's my favourite of what we're drinking here. I don't think it's the worst but it's lager, not the best. but I, mm-hmm. there are others that I would pick over it. I think it depends what you're looking for. I think certainly of the ones we've got in front of us, probably got the most flavour, I would say. You know, or of the, there's that and another, which I won't name, which I think are the most flavourful. You know, mm. it's it's not a particular... I don't think it's a particularly bland beer for an industrial lager. I mean, we're not drinking it today, but obviously we had that Carling last week. Like, <laughs> Jesus, that was... <laughs> yeah, it's... It, I drink it over Carling. Yeah, it, you know, if you... 
in comparison to Carlin, which, as far as me and Remy were concerned, was basically squash. Horrible squash. Horrible, horrible squash. Sparkling water. Yeah, it was vile. (laughs) It's got, you know, it's literally bursting with (laughs) flavour. I say, in comparison to Carly. So yeah, I think, you know, whereas some of the other beers, you might, if you were just looking to have a nice pint of refreshing beer on a hot day, Stella might not be your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Interestingly, Stella has been vegan since 2009. Very progressive. Because, you know, they stopped using the the gallbladder or something, the part of the fish. Finings. That's yeah. it, to keep it clear, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, you, you basically use it as a filter, I believe. And also, interestingly, they don't boast about it like every other twat does these days. <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've missed a step there. They're just quietly vegan. Yeah, yeah. But, Maya, you touched on something that's caused a bit of controversy of late. Either earlier this year or late last year, people started realising that the Stella recipe had changed in that the alcohol percentage had gone down from around sort of 5.2 down to what we're seeing now in our bottles is 4.6. And that caused a bit of a kickoff on Twitter. But there was kind of a bit of a thorough that came off the back of that as well in that a brewery, which I won't name, Actually, I don't even know if they were the source of these accusations, so we're going to go with this. There have been some accusations that actually Stella isn't even Stella anymore, because AB InBev, the group who owns Stella, also happened to own a brewery called Camden, Camden Brewery, and Camden Hells is apparently 4.6%, the exact same percentage that Stella Artois is now, and the conspiracy theorists seem to think that Stella in the UK is in fact no longer Stella at all, but just Camden House. What? Who the fuck is... Who has got the time? I know I say this as a man who's spending his Sundays making a podcast about beer, but my God, <laughs> there are some saddos out there. So do you think, no way that's true? I'll be honest, I, I can't remember what Camden Hells tastes like. so I have... That just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but I, I don't think it is true. I mean, it would be quite they, funny. They, but surely they already had all of the stuff in place to be making masses of making Stella this, anyway. They've been making it for hundreds of years. Why are the big suits yeah. sat in their office going, <laughs> this will really fuck I them think... up? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably more likely to do... I mean, I'm not sure how beer tax and stuff works, but... I know that they were talking about it to do with percentages. Surely it will be to do with getting it below 5%. Oh, that's a good point. We hadn't thought about that. that. That is a good point. I mean, this to me still tastes like... It tastes like Stella. What this... I remember Stella yeah. tasting like. It tastes like the warm can that was my first ever beer that I drank. <laughs> the warm can that was, that was very much the needle in your arm. Yeah. The first time you chased... I honestly think that has scarred me, though, because in my mind, I know that Stella isn't that bad, but it's just telling me that I don't like Stella. Mm. Camden Town Brewery's official website on the Hell's page, which is a lager. We now brew Stella. It says the style is Stella Artois. (laughs) (laughs) No, it says the style is never pasteurised lager, and it is a 4.6%. So I'm pretty sure Stella's pasteurised, though. Yeah, and I'm still calling bullshit on that, because why would you... bother like yeah it does seem a bit silly what do they say the ingredients are on the camden hill because the the big thing that will give it away is on the ingredients on the back of a stella bottle it's water yeah watered marley or whatever and that's it yeah barley malt maize and hops and i'm guessing camden hills doesn't have maize in it well it just says perla and hurl out traditional hops and our own special house pilsner malt from bamberg we're one of the two germany we're one of the only two breweries outside germany to use it the other one is stella artois so maybe i don't know you know no no i made that up i made that up oh (laughs) don't be like that oh 
That would have been so good. So we all kind of don't mind it. Mm. What are we? I, I want to get our scores in, and then I'm gonna kind of tell you about what Beer Advocate and Untapped, what the what the what the public is saying. We're gonna standardise this out of five because that's what the Beer Advocate and Untapped scores were. So we'll just kind of equate it. So what would are we you? Allowed decimals. I think I think you've got to have decimals because otherwise it's gonna be a bit. <laughs> so um... Maya, what would you rate Stella out of five to two decimal places? And for the context, are we rating these? <laughs> As industrial lagers rather than every beer, because obviously if you said rate this compared to every beer you'd like to drink, it's going to be relatively low. Whereas if it's so, if we compare it to the the scores on the two websites I've mentioned, I guess they're rated compared to all the other beers. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, so Maya, hit me with your score. Two point eight. Two point eight from Maya. Jimmy. Uh, a three point eight for me, sir. Against all beer. <laughs> it's a nice palatable lager beer. Yeah. <sighs> what are you going, Ren? Mm, you know what? I'm going to go for a three and a half. There we go. So Beer Advocate, it averaged, Stellar averaged 3.11, 3.11 out of 5. And on Untapped, it averaged 3.26. So, so me and Jim were quite close. My, you were kind of like, fuck it. Actually, no. You no, I was, was closest yeah. well, on the Beer Advocate, yeah. so fuck off. <laughs> and then the kind of anecdotal evidence about the taste is I found this quote and I absolutely loved it. These are not my words. They are, they are not the words of the podcast. They are not the words of anyone else actually Bloody linked hell, to this. you've gone full bloody disclosure there, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, <laughs> but just to be clear, this is just a quote from someone who reviewed Stella Artois on Give Beer Advocate. And, and this profile commented that Stella was a juicy, fruity delight... No craft nonce could manage. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever used the word fruity before to describe Stella. Yeah. And then basically all the other anecdotal reviews basically said it was drinkable, biscuit and sweet and good for parties. Ha, I said biscuity. Yeah, I'd probably agree. It is a bit sweet at the start, but I think myself and Maya definitely picked up on quite a lot of bitterness. I really. think it's quite bitter. Yeah. I'm going to compare... When we have this next beer, mm. I'm going to compare them. Well, the, I've just popped the old top off the next beer and it's been a while since i've drunk this and my god the memories come flooding back just from the smell of it It again though very different recipe really because that just well i say very different the percentage is different oh yeah this beer has changed a lot over the past 15 years okay do you want to intro this beer then it's not nice smell is it maya no it's changed well we'll go on to that as well So this industrial lager is Bex, all the way from Bremen in Germany. So the Bex Brewery was founded in 1873 by Heinrich Beck, Thomas May and Luda Rottenberg. Its big kind of main selling point is that it brews to the 1516 purity law, which was defunct under the European Union, but it's kind of back. But basically it's, it's apologies for my German, but Renheitsgebot, which comes from Bavaria originally, and 1516 is a version of it that was used when Bavaria is unified. But basically there's loads of different versions of this purity law in Germany. And it essentially means that you can only use water, barley, and hops for brewing. I think we'll probably end up having to do a whole episode on... The purity laws. Yeah, on the purity laws, because they're quite like a big topic anyway, and they've got quite a big cultural significance. But the interesting thing I would point out is that yeast isn't mentioned in that supposedly because it was seen as a logical fixture but the whole 1516 purity law thing is like the only selling point of this beer <laughs> yeah the only reason to buy yeah. it at the moment i'd say bex did have had quite a big philanthropic presence in the art 
world, to be fair. So in 1987, they started the Beck's art label campaign. Basically, they get artists to design the labels on the Beck's that you see every now and then in return for funding, which is obviously quite good. And they did previously released something in the UK called Bexvere. So previously Bex was... What, a... Are you telling me Bexvere is off? What was the thing about Bexvere? You could only get it on draft. No, it was 4%. Look at the back of your oh. Bex bottle now. Oh my God. It's 4%, whereas Bex used to be higher. So the recipe has changed over the past few years. Glenn uh, is going to have a fit. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, we can talk about that when we go on to how we feel about it. Anyone like Bex? So I've just taken a really big mouthful of it. Yeah. And it's making me think I like Stella. There you go. See, this is this is the reality of it. It's a bit lighter coloured than Stella. I'd say Stella's a bit darker. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot clearer. Lot strawier. Yeah, clearer, lighter. It smells like urine. Yeah. Okay. So, Jim, <laughs> would you agree? Yeah. I mean, if I, I wish my urine smelled like that, but it doesn't smell great. <laughs> it tastes completely different to when I remember having it. 10, 12 years ago, in my opinion. I think it's completely, like, oh, non... it's horrible. It, it tastes of virtually nothing, as far as I'm concerned. But metallic. It's got a very metallic... Yeah. And this came out of a bottle, to be Aftertaste. fair. Aftertaste. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and it's from a bottle, and it, it tastes like it's been underground in a tin for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a fair shout, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan. I've never really been a fan. You know what? I used to actually don't... I didn't mind it before, but I have to say, at this moment in time, and I haven't had it for a while... When you say before, you mean when we were, like, 16 and going to house yes. parties? That is what you're referring to when you say before, isn't it? Because I remember that you would turn up with your Tesco's carrier bag of Bex beers clinking in your little hoodie. Hello, Remy's here. (laughs) You're like a Bex. Don't forget the Tetleys. (laughs) Or the Boddingtons. I still quite like you a Boddington. You still drink Boddington's yeah. on much days. You know what? A nice warm Boddington's oh. is a surprising feature. That's fucking ruined our, our, our um, claret. Oh, fuck, I'm pissed. <laughs> what am I trying to look for here? I our credibility as uh, a podcast. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But yeah, the metallic taste is a good shout because that is tangy. Like yeah, it's way. really... It's, it tastes like you're sucking on a penny. Yeah. So there's... <laughs> <laughs> Maya is loving the innuendos today. <laughs> Um, does anyone think you know how like (laughs) Stella did you guys ever hear the thing and obviously not in any way condoning drink driving or anything like that but there was a thing that went around my school oh if you suck on a penny yeah yeah a 2p coin if you're going to get pulled over yeah Yeah, Yeah, bullshit yeah Yeah, obviously it's bullshit so in this case have a Bex (laughs) pulled over you'd be fine Culturally, Bex, what do we associate it with? Like, Stella, we kind of had quite a negative view of, but what do we think of Bex now? Teenagers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Teenagers, yeah. I have to say, the metallic taste is actually getting worse in my mouth now. Mm. It's kind of building. Jim's kind of alluded to it, but I have kind of a fond memory of Bex in that someone we know, their father would always... No, buy... only. Only. Yeah. Only buy people at the bar little bottles of Bex. <laughs> You know, little bottles of Bex. And he had particularly small hands. Well, he, he had. He yeah, has particularly he small hands, which fitted quite well around the bottle. And, and they kind of, yeah, that's my fond memory of Bex, I'd say. Yeah, I remember saying to um, Callum, why does your dad only drink Bex? Like, why doesn't he have pints? He's got quite little hands. <laughs> and he doesn't like holding a pint glass. So just drinks Bex. We haven't really touched on Bex Blue. I guess that was the first... Big non-alcoholic beer, I remember. Certainly, in my, certainly in my mind, yeah, it's been around for years, hasn't it? I, I mean, don't think it's nice either. To be but honest. then I don't think Bex is nice, so they've achieved what they were looking out to do. 
Really? Yeah. If I was going to have, a, you know, I'd rather have an alcohol-free pint, bottle of Bex Blue than a bottle of Bex if I was drinking. I don't know the last time I was in a pub and I saw Bex on draft. No, it's been ages. I, I remember Bex Veer mm. coming out and it being draft everywhere. I remember but... liking Bex, hating Bex Veer. That was always Bex the thing. Bex Veer was, was shit. Even as like a seventeen-year-old, effectively child, I remember being like, I won't have any of that Bex Veer shit. <laughs> You know? <laughs> I remember being in a bar in Torquay and having a pint of Beck's beer and thinking this is truly awful. This is everything I don't like. Well, it was always the the Weatherspoons burger and a pint. The the Beck's the oh, Beck's beer yeah. was always the beer of choice or whatever because that was Beck's beer or Ruddle's best. Oof, don't yeah. don't you'll you'll get me excited. <laughs> Yeah, just everything about Bexfield had a, it was an odd shape. It came in an odd shaped glass, wasn't it? Like triangular. It was very angular. Yeah. There was nothing yeah. good about that. The taste of this is really lingering. Yeah. Like I haven't drunk any of it for a while. Are you now thinking meta- of reviewing your stellar score higher? Am I allowed to do that? You know what? Let's do a review of our scores at the end. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't want you to jump just because Bex is terrible. <laughs> I don't want you to immediately jump to Stella's aid. Yeah. Because maybe you might like one of the other ones. Well, I know, I know I like some of the other ones more. I have one more, and it is a Glenn-related anecdote, just because mm. it's my favourite Bex-related anecdote. And it was a few years ago when we were on the high street, and he so used to do a bit of DJing. I can't remember if you were that night, Remy. And obviously, because he was behind the DJ booth, he, he couldn't really leave, and he was he had a couple of Bex, whatever, he was playing the music. And I think Reese went up to him and said, um, oh, Glenn, do you want me to get you a drink from the bar? He said, oh, yeah, have a Bex, please. Why you'd ask? Of course he'd have a fucking Bex. It's the only thing he drank. Small hands. Yeah. <laughs> so Reese then like went off to go and get a drink for him and, and Glenn and obviously got distracted. After about five, ten minutes, Glenn's now dry and he's kind of stood there like, what's going on? <laughs> so he kind of, Reese, Reese, drink, drink, come on. And um, Reese is, he's not ignoring him. I don't think you can hear him, obviously, over the music that Glenn is playing. And eventually, Glenn gets fed up of this. So, as the DJ, turns all the music off in the nightclub, picks up the microphone <laughs> and says, I'm not turning the fucking music back on until Reese <laughs> brings me a drink from the bar. <laughs> Reese then has to sprint across the room, get to the bar, bring a Bex back, and it's only when it's in his hand that he turns the music back on. Which I thought was genius from Glenn. <laughs> Never seen the boy move so fast. That's a good lesson in power dynamics, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Really don't know if I can even finish. So this, let's, you know? Jim, give me a score out of five for Bex. Thing is, I don't want to be like too harsh, but it really does nothing for me. I mean, I agree with you, Rem. I haven't drank this in a long time. Like even like I've had a few pints of Stella in the last twelve months. I've, some of the other beers we're going to have, I can say pretty safely, I've had the other beers. I've not had a bottle or a pint of Bex in a long time. I can't really comment on whether it's changed or whether my tastes have changed, but it's not doing anything for me. It, like a 1.6. Like, Is it better or worse than Carling? Oh, there's no competition, Maya. Nothing is as bad as that Carling. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is the single most awful beer. And don't get me wrong. There are some bad niche beers out there. Like, you know, you might drink the occasional sour or the occasional stout that's like, you think, God, how do people, like, why have they made this? But the fact that Carlin, they probably sell something like 10 million pints of it a year. They, and it's that bad. That's disgusting. So just a quick stat for you on Carling. In the 90s, 
they when Colling was at its biggest, at its peak, like it was the biggest beer in Did, the UK. What, didn't they sponsor the darts or something? Wasn't that the Premier League? Well, and the Premier League, but yeah, wasn't there like yeah? There's some there's they were selling campaigns. three million pints of Colling a day in the United Kingdom. Fuck off! What the fuck? Three million pints a day. No wonder this Carling. country went to the dogs. <laughs> <laughs> you got that and Blair to thank for that. Jesus. <laughs> Uh, um, good shooing in of new labour there. Love that. Yeah, I know. Excellent. I'm gonna go. Want to say one? What? Want to say negative? <laughs> that's because you didn't have to drink the Carlin. I feel like my. I, I did. Drink... I tried the Carling, yeah. and, and in think? a way, in a way, the Carling actually offends me less because it just didn't taste of anything. Whereas this mm. has this horrible metallic aftertaste yeah. that just isn't going away. Like, yeah, the Carling was bland and bad, but like. This is lingering in a horrible way. So I'm going to go 1.2. 1.2. Because I really don't like that metallic okay. taste. I'm going to go for... And the smell is fucking atrocious. <laughs> yeah. Rem, correct me if I'm wrong. Was a bottle of Bex a smaller bottle than a... Was it, was it a, a slightly smaller in, in times of millilitres? Was it a 330? Was it like a 275 or something? Or I, making oh, that I actually up? don't know. I think it might have been 275, you know. Like a Holston, like Holston Pills. It was a smaller actual Yeah, a small little glass bottle, wasn't it? Yeah, it might have been. I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, I think so. Rem, what are you scoring, Bex? Uh, see... Okay, I'm I'm gonna say one point seven five. Jesus, you're really down to the wire there, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, one point seven five for me. And then let's just quickly have a look then at what other people have said. So, and also out of reference, Russ, how much have people managed? Like, I drank that whole bottle of Stella. I can't. <laughs> I haven't managed to do half a pint of this. So we've shared the big bottle. I still have this much. You've left. had. A- I'm kind of going through it. This was a full glass. You've drank so less I've- than Maya. I've topped this up with the rest of the bottle. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I can't drink anymore. I'm keeping that. a bit of Stella. Yeah, I've kept nicer. it. I've kept a little bit of Stella. So we've actually been a lot more scathing of Bex than the internet. So Picks beer advocate, rec- yeah, <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, beer advocate two point seven eight and Untapped gave it two point nine four. People, interestingly enough, see, I did. I kind of read this, so I didn't want to comment on it. But both of you spoke about this. Is everyone kept referring in the comments to the aroma as skunky? Mm. It's just horrible. <laughs> I think I've got an aftershave called skunky. It's yeah. Kind of a very <laughs> lovely aroma. <laughs> You know, I mean, I kind of mentioned that the recipe thing has changed because it's gone down a percentage, but also it just tastes different. Someone did comment R.I.P. original Bex beer in May 2020. Yeah, basically, the reviews weren't great and it stinks. (laughs) Seems to be a thing. It it stinks of piss and no one likes it. It it smells to me like, you know, if you've you've had people around and then like... They've spilt beer everywhere and you haven't cleaned it up for four days. Yeah, or the next day you get up and you think, oh, I've got to clean up all these fucking glasses. And you just start pouring the leftovers down a sink. Oh, that smells vile. Yeah, yeah, it's that smell of like leftover stale beer. Like it doesn't smell fresh. No, smells like a brewery in here. Not a nice one. (laughs) So Carlsberg is the next beer, and to clarify, it's regular Carlsberg, not Carlsberg Export. It's not regular Carlsberg, it's Carlsberg Pilsner. This isn't, yeah. this isn't the real deal. That's because the, the real deal doesn't exist anymore, and they changed the recipe. I was shocked when you told me that. Yeah, this, so this is the new Carlsberg, you can't get the old one anymore. What do you think it smells like? I think it smells a bit farty. Mm. Better than the best. It does smell a bit farty, actually. It smells like a fart. It does smell like a fart, doesn't it? Oh. <laughs> 
It smells a bit like warm fish. Oh, don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Horrible. It does. Oh, that is horrible. Is it vegan? Is it vegan? Um, I honestly don't know. <laughs> what is that? Because the fish-related comment. <laughs> you can really yeah. taste the fish in this one. <laughs> like all good Pilsner beers, this one is full of omega-3s. Oh. I thought I liked Carlsberg, but smelling this, I don't know if I do. Okay, so I'll kind of rattle off a bit about Carlsberg, do the boring bit, and then we can kind of dive into it. Although I would actually say, I'd like to say on record now, that whilst Carlsberg may not be the best beer in the world, it has had quite an impact on the brewing landscape. And it's kind of one of the big granddaddies of the industrial lager scene. So it was set up by a guy called Jacob or Jacob Christiansen Jakobsen in Denmark in 1847. He was the first guy to kind of realise that brewing could really benefit from the science of industrialisation. So he set up the Carlsberg Laboratory in 1875. The idea of maximising science to, to, you know, benefit brewing process. That laboratory also actually came up with the pH method of dealing with acidity, which is quite interesting. Carlsberg itself is named after this guy's son called Carl who he then had a massive falling out with, but maybe more on that another time. But the big thing that Carlsberg did for the brewing industry was in 1883, Carl Hansen, who worked in the Carlsberg laboratory, was one of the first people to ever to isolate a single strain of yeast. So that meant Carlsberg was the first beer to be able to use exactly the same yeast on an industrial scale every time. Which comes, gave them, which comes back to this standardisation of flavour. Yeah, yeah, massively came in. And so they were the first people to be able to replicate the flavour every time exactly. And supposedly even now, the yeast they use is descended from the one that this Carl Hansen chap derived. And that yeast... A, a bit like Guinness. Is, is Guinness the same? I can't remember. It's supposedly it's the same. What's the word when you make bread and you use the same... Um, a starter. Like a starter. 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 Same starter. starter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's like the same thing. Like you just keep... you fe- Obviously you feed yeast because it's living. So you feed it and it grows and you take it away yeah. and then you use it and then you have to feed it some more and it grows back. So The yeast they found this particular strain from was actually a batch they bought from Bavaria and then they had to take it by train all the way back up to Copenhagen. To keep it alive, they kept having to dunk it in cold water because otherwise it was overheating. But in celebration, that particular yeast strain is called Saccharomyces Carlsbergenesis. Car- no, Genesis. Carls- Carlsbergenis. Carlsbergenis. Apologies for the lack of quality there. But yeah, so Guinness in a pint together. Carlsberg Guinness. So So it's actually become, you know, in all fairness, whatever you have to say about it, it has genuinely quite an interesting role in beer history. And also the company after Jacob Christensen Jacobson's death was now run by the Carlsberg Foundation. He didn't give it to his son because they had massive falling out. And then I guess everyone knows it because of the advertising, probably the best beer in the world. You know, they used to run all those adverts. And then the last thing to mention is kind of recently and we've already touched on it is it now describes itself as a pilsner which is what it was originally based on but kind of about five years ago they realized that everyone thought Carlsberg was shit so they changed the recipe and didn't they have to change the branding as well I think so do you know what it really 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 doesn't taste like it smells I'd say it's unoffensive yeah I'd say it's inoffensive it's the darkest of the three we've had so far looking at them side by side it's a lot more of a sort of golden orange color whereas the other two were both pretty pale Mm. it it tastes quite fruity i think oh i get that actually yeah Yeah. i get that i think you're just scarred by the becks (laughs) yeah i mean it it does do well for what it's next to yeah once this does smell of farts it doesn't smell of 
piss. It doesn't taste in yeah. any way how it smells. Yeah. It's supposedly by appointment to the Royal Danish Court. The ingredients are water, malted barley, barley, hops, hop oil. Yeah, now hop oil, that's always a bit worrying, isn't it? Because Hop extract, yeah. yeah. People have people look down on this quite a lot. I think of the three so far as my favourite. Okay, interesting. You know, it's the lowest percentage. It's only three point eight. And is that recent, Rem, or is that a, is that a consistent? I think it was low yeah, before. Yeah, so it's always been low. Yeah, but I think actually Carlsberg originally in Denmark was about five percent, and actually a lot of these European beers were five percent. And the reason they were called premium when they did get big in the UK was they were at five percent level. Yeah. But the reason a lot of them struggled to get into the UK market was because of the impacts of World War One and Two that drove the ABVs in the UK down. British drinkers didn't want to drink 5% beer. Yeah. They were used to like... A shitload of low percentage. Yeah, shitloads of low percentage bitters and stouts and stuff like that. After literally quantity over quality. That's what we're about in England. Whereas Carlsberg... I know Heineken, when they tried to break into the UK market in like the 60s or 70s, got really pissed off because they had to change their recipe to try and get into the UK market. And then I think they changed it back to the original, but their whole premise before that was that they would brew exactly the same thing every time. Yeah. And they were annoyed that they had to like lower the products as they saw it in their eyes to try and break in. But I guess that does make Carlsberg a bit more sessionable than the other two beers. Yeah, this glass is twice as big as the other glasses. Mm. And I've already drank half of it. I think it is quite watery. Now, I don't say that in a, 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 dece- uh, you know, a horrible way, but it is quite easy drinking. In that regard. Yeah. So Carlsberg Export is 5%, or I think it's high percentage. I like Carlsberg Export. Yeah. That's the one in the white and Yeah, the white and gold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say, now I haven't had a pint of Carlsberg for a very long time, but I remember having the new recipe yeah yeah when they well, yeah i remember thinking well I'll give it a shot they've changed and it was changed the glass changed the yeah the, the branding i did think it was better yeah i agree it was also the cheapest beer i could find in sweden when i tried it because everything else was extortionate three million pounds yeah yeah exactly how is your swedish good bad good <laughs> yes okay so carlsberg what do we think of it culturally in the uk what do you reckon its reputation is I just remember the adverts, you know, like the big dramatic adverts where they'd suddenly be abroad and they'd be eating all this food and they'd be like, it was the best beer ever. Do you remember the bank? They had this one where they had this fancy like bank and it was like, if Carlsberg did banking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one that really sticks out for me. To be fair... For me, this one has less connotation. Like, I couldn't really tell you what connotation Carlsberg has. I think it's a bit less established in my mind in that way, outside of the adverts. Mm. What about sport? For me, it's always like a a sport beer, like live events, live sport. Like, a bit like Heineken is, as well, I know drinking Heineken. But for me, it's if you're going to live sport, Carlsberg is is the draft of choice because it's, you know they, that's the thing that they're going to be knocking out in the thousands of pints at a live venue, and again, I suppose and and live music as well. Like for me, it's the drink you drink if you're at a festival or you're at a, a sporting event of some description. That's what I associate it with. I weirdly associate it with football, but I don't really know why. Well, it's a similar thing to what Jimmy yeah. said, isn't it? Well, do you think that's to do with the fact that it's a lower percentage? Yeah, potentially. Like potentially, Remy yeah. said, it's more sessionable. I don't think anyone's ever said Carlsberg was a sessionable beer, beer before session today. Session Pilsner. Yeah. <laughs> but I think what it comes back to as well that we're probably going to touch on for most of these beers is the marketing behind them. 
Like mm. it just shows how much of an impact marketing can have on a drink. Like it doesn't have to taste good. You just have to be able to market it. Like knock it out in massive quantities and make people believe that it's a good beer and get them to drink it. Like it doesn't have to be actually be a good beer. Just make them think it's a good beer. Yeah, I'd say out of all these beers we're going to try, the ones we have tried, the ones we all try, this is not my favourite marketing but it's probably the one that's most ingrained in me. Oh, I don't know. I think that's... Yeah, I, I the think... Cutting, the cutting... The wiping the foam off the top of a glass of Stella is just, like, permanently in my mind. I think it might be because I have a weird man crush on Mads Mikkelsen, the Danish actor, and he did one of the other. He, he sold his soul, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. But he's a damn good actor. I actually really like this. I've drunk more than you. Yeah, you have. <laughs> Bloody good stuff. We all know that I... Air on the side of tasteless beers. It's it's my preferred Tick, fruit. Ticks a box for you. Yeah, yeah you, weren't, you weren't impressed with the carling, and that is no. that is ultimately the most tasteless beer the world has ever seen. But yeah, that was too tasteless. But yeah, this is. I don't know if I've ever had a Carlsberg before. I've had Carlsberg Export before. We've we've drunk that, and mm. I've definitely took that to a festival once. But I don't know if I've ever had an actual. Carlsberg. So I can't comment on the differences in recipe, but I like this. In a weird way, I might actually now... You know if you go to a party or something, and you're not particularly feeling No, what it, are they? <laughs> you need friends to go to them. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> if you, you know sometimes you go to a party or a social event that you don't particularly actually want to... You're not really keen for it, but you're happy to have a few beers and walk away. I'm actually now considering... Carlsberg. Having a couple of Carlsberg. You don't like the host, so you bring them some Carlsberg. Yeah. <laughs> and they'll yeah, ask you exactly. to leave. And if I, but if I leave the Carlsberg as well... No loss. No, I don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But I've not shamed myself by bringing the Carling. It's not like you've turned yeah. up with Bex. Yes, I've not turned up with a beer smelling of piss and God knows what else. Okay, so shall we have a bit of a rate then? What do we think of Carlsberg, the Danish Pilsner? I'm going to go for a 3.6. Uh, three and a half for me, 3.5. What do I think of this? Just have a slurp. That is the kind of whole purpose of the conversation, Rem. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so unoffensive. It does I'm going to go very for little. three, two. Do you, wait, I've, I'm going three, two, five. You prefer Stella? I do prefer Stella because I quite like the, it's a bit more biscuity. Yeah. And that's what I quite like in beers. So I'm, I do prefer Stella, but I, I actually, in all fairness, I, I think this new recipe is better. I mean, I'd love it if it turns out this is not a new recipe. And they've, they've just changed been, the brand. Yeah, they've just been lying to everyone. Also, I, you know, this is a bit weird, but I genuinely think this, the backstory of Hans Carlsberg is quite interesting. What's okay. your advocate and stuff saying? Oh, good God. Sorry. Oh, I forgot about that. So beer advocate was not as sort of favourable it was to Stella, but it was a bit more favourable than it and, was. And just to confirm, bets. are these reviews of the new recipe? See, that's the only issue with mm. Carl... Well, actually, with all of these, in that they're their averages over time. So, I'll be honest, I don't know. And we're using rudimental figures, but here we are. So, Beer Advocate reckoned it was 3.05 out of 5, and Untapped reckoned 2.97. I don't know how Untapped... I think that is harsh. ...has only done it at 0.03 above Bex. That is a joke. Yeah. And then the, the sort of tasting notes are, it's okay, it lacks a bit of body, which you kind of touched we, on, yeah, Jim. Yeah, it, it's pretty empty in, in that regard. It doesn't have a lot yeah. of kick to it. It is a bit sweet, they mentioned, and then a few people mentioned bland. But I would, I definitely picked up on the fruitiness that you, yeah, I you think touched it's on, Maya. Yeah, fruity. I mean, I really like it. I've nearly finished it. <laughs> I know what Maya's getting for her birthday. Uh, <laughs> Keg of Carlsberg. 
a yeah. trip to Copenhagen. I'm, I'm actually contemplating upping my Carlsberg intake. An evening with Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll wait till the end till we review our scores. But yeah, no, I really rate it. Okay, so the next beer will be Cronenborg 1664. So, as we've done with the others, a little bit of background and we'll kind of chat around it. So, 1664, well, in 1664, a guy called Jerome Hatt, well, I guess if you're a French, you'd say Jerome Hatt, opened a brasserie, or Brasserie du Canon in Strasbourg in 1850, and basically got flooded a lot, so he moved it to Cronenborg. And then their kind of next big thing is in 1885, they start using a hop that is native to the Alsace, which is where Cronenborg and Strasbourg are, which is called the Strizzle's Pout Hop. (laughs) Kind of a bit hard. It might be... You've really got that on the nose there, Eb. Strizzle's Pult? I don't know. Basically, it was the Hat Brewery for a bit, and then eventually it became the Cronenborg Brewery after after the Second World War. And the really interesting thing I found about Cronenborg was that they launched in the UK in 1952 with the aim of advertising themselves as a beer to be drunk to celebrate the coronation of Queen Elizabeth II. Really? Yeah, that was their marketing thing to get into the United Kingdom. So they started. They, they were like those plates you could buy, or the the saucers. Precisely. Yeah, that is literally why they brewed 1664 Whereas, in the UK. Uh, no, no, before that as well, I think they just brewed normal Cronenberg. It's a bit confusing because they've actually got quite a few products. Right. So I, I, it's been a while since I've been to France, but you used to be able to get Cronenborg. And actually, Cronenborg 1664, you only ever saw in the UK or export markets. Yeah, don't, they do, don't they do a blonde in France? I swear yeah. I've seen like a blonde of Cronenborg. Yeah, they do quite a few. They do a um, a wheat beer as well they do like mm. a, uh, and a bock beer, I think. Oh, right, and okay. they also do a something else that I can't remember now. They eat a Premier Crew which I think Premier Crew is actually normally used for, for wine, but for some, I mean, I guess... Oh, yeah. Premier Crew is also used for <clears throat> cider quite a lot. Yeah, I guess they're just Frenching it up. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the rest of the history, that was kind of the high point for me in the interesting bits and bobs. But they merged in 1986 with another French brewery called Canterbrow. Love a Canterbrow. Which is Excellent not beer. actually... Yeah, if you... Uh, no sort of craft beer nerds like Canterbrow, but I love a Canterbrow. We love a Canterbrow, like having a you know little Canterbrow on the way somewhere. Oh yeah, and then in two thousand and five, do you not like Cronenberg? I just I just licked a mouthful of froth, and it's <laughs> well, Jimmy. In two thousand and five, this won the International Brewing Awards Gold Medal, and and who gave out that medal? Cronenberg. International <laughs> yeah, it was it was based in Strasbourg. But the thing I'd say I associate Cronenberg most with in the UK are the Eric Cantona adverts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ooh, ah, uh, Cantona. So, uh. <laughs> Again, it just comes back to the marketing. Yeah, you know, you know when he's like, Falmiers as a footballers of the Alsace. But it, what I find weird is, you know, you were saying, I didn't... <laughs> I didn't realise 1664 was like the name of this beer. What did you think the name of the beer was? Cronenberg. Oh, right. No, no. There's a normal Cronenberg. I don't know yeah. if that still exists, to be fair. Maybe they just... Like, no, no. Because like, it's made by like Cronenberg. The beer is 1664. Yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. But I, I actually didn't know that. I thought Cronenberg was like, you know, Bex. That's the interesting thing about a lot of these beers is that in England or the United Kingdom, in Stella, I know Stella recently have brought out the Stella Cedar or whatever, but... We, as far as English people are concerned, Stella only makes Stella. Bex yeah. only yeah. make Bex. And like you said about Cronenberg, like the, they've actually got loads of different beers. Well, good luck finding any of them in England. And even Carlsberg, yeah, you, you know, Carlsberg make Carlsberg and they make Carlsberg export. Now, whereas normally for a 
a beer company or a brewer, you'd think you'd have like lots of different kind of bra- you know brews yeah. on the same at the on the go. But I suppose for them, it, again, it comes back to it's all about consistency and having the same product that people can rely on to say, well, that's what I like, that's what I want. Cronenberg's actually owned by Carlsberg Foundation now. A lot of them were bought up or merged with bigger breweries when breweries had a massive rationalisation in the sort of 70s through to the 90s. What happened then was a lot of them bought each other up and then killed off each other's smaller beers to produce the main profit ones, which was left less and less. But you are right, Jim, in that this particular brewery in France brews more than just 1664. Yeah. And like Carlsberg itself as well, they do Tuborg and a few other things like that. Of course, Um, Tuborg, yeah, that is a festival beer, yeah. But the range is definitely a lot smaller than it was. And that's probably something we'll have to go into detail in another industrial lager episode because there's quite a lot of like... Why is it called 1664, do you know? The brewery was opened by... Jerome Hat in 1664. You did say that at the beginning. I thought you said it was like 18 something. No, no, no. So 1664, Jerome Hat opens Brasserie du Canon in Strasbourg. And then in 1850, he moved Ah, to Cronenberg. That's what I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It smells very herbal. It's it's more like the Stella in terms of a lot of flavour. We prefer it to Stella. Uh, Jim, what do you think? It's a lot sweeter, I think. I actually bought all my my copious amounts of four packs of beers yesterday and, and sampled a couple in advance, including the Cronenberg, the which has been so long since I had one of these. And yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I quite enjoyed this one. But yeah, I thought they were, it was, it's, it's not bad. I have just looked on the can and kind of winced a bit that it has glucose syrup in it. That has kind of... That's me, usually a bad sign, isn't That's it? normally a terrible sign. That's put me off slightly. I don't like my beer to have sugar in it. Well, I mean, all beer's got sugar in it, I guess, but added sugar... You know, it, it's got both hop extract and additional sugars. Yeah. They've industrialised the shit out of it, basically. Basically. You can make this shit in a day, is basically yeah. the bottom line. You need a big They still kettle. use the... The Strissel's pout. <laughs> Strissel's mm. fault? Strissel's pout? But yes, that is definitely a downside. I think it's my favourite one so far. Yeah? Yeah, I, th- I think it's really nice. I think it's kind of got the flavour of the Stella, but at the same time, it's not as overpowering. So it's, it's a bit more mellow. It's like a mellow yeah. version of Stella Artois, which is probably a bit better. Yeah, like, I really like the Carlsberg, but I will even acknowledge that it's not flavourful. The Carlsberg, to me, is something I could easily drink a lot of, and I, and I did enjoy it. I liked it. Hmm. Whereas this... I probably actually like the taste more. But I don't like the smell. Yeah, the smell's not great again. I'll, I'll be honest, before... I, I will go on a limb now because there's one more beer to try after this one, but I know that this beer is my favourite out of these five. It's interesting that you touched When was on... the last time you had a pint of it? Out of int- I know, obviously, it's not difficult because of lockdown. Cronenberg. I've been in... When we... Um, Two years ago? Somewhere. When I came to meet you in Canary Wharf in the pub after work, you were drinking Cronenberg that night. When was that? Well, pre-lockdown. Third of April. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting that you mentioned about the, the glucose syrup and everything, Jim, because actually they advertise it as being brewed with craftsmanship. Bullshit. And my French isn't great, but savoir-faire craftsmanship or like with skill since 1664. But actually, obviously, what they've just done is industri- industrialise the hell out of it. We've banged on about that, but yeah, I kind of agree. This is my favourite thus far or not. And, and is, it, is it just brewed in the UK by Heineken? It's not owned by Heineken? No, it's not. It's owned by Carlsberg. See, mine says brewed in the UK under agreement from Brasseries, Cronenberg, SAS, Strasbourg by Heineken oh, UK. So Heineken, Heineken must must just brew it. Maybe Heineken UK. Well, I checked this yesterday and the internet said that Carlsberg owned it. But maybe they've got an agreement that Heineken brew it or something weird like that. I See, that's know. the other thing that's so weird is that these 
these supposedly local beers can just be brewed, brewed all under lo- license, brewed under license all over the world. Yeah, it's like Samuel Adams used to be brewed by yeah. Shepherd Neem, I think. Yeah, of course. The smell is quite herbal to me, but taste-wise, I think it tastes nice. But like you say, Jim, it's it's mellower than the Stella, so it's I think not yeah. bitter as the Stella. Yeah, it's got well because, like you say, it's got loads of yeah. glucose in it, so. I'd say there's something slightly whiny about it. Whiny? Not like, it's hard to describe. It's really hard because I it's cut... It's a bit tart, is I, what I'm trying to say. I cut a load of celeriac before this and my hands just mm. smell like celeriac. Does... Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the herbiness. Yes. <laughs> Does anyone have any... just hand my hands. Good memories or cultural relation, like cultural connections with... Chromebook. Very, very limited, except that for me, when you were set, when I, well, not when you were saying, when I was saying that you would bring Bex to a party, my mm. go to, bizarrely, was always Cronenberg. I don't know why. Okay. Boss, bo- but always, Boss was, when I was when 15, 16, a few bottles of Cronenberg, that would be my jam. <laughs> I don't, I can honestly say, I don't really think I've drunk it since then. I would, despite the fact that I'm quite enjoying it, I would never have sought this out in a pub. I don't really yeah. know why, but maybe I will now occasionally if I'm ever allowed back in a pub. Um, but yeah, <laughs> not my, because of I, lockdown, just because of your personal yeah, demeanour, <laughs> hygiene mainly, the, restrain, the restraining order. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, my only kind of association with it is drinking it as a teenager again. I can't hmm. really say I've had much of it since then. Maya, have you got any association with Cronenberg? No. Um, <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> yeah. No, but I really like it. <laughs> but I want to. When I began to drink alcohol habitually, as a four-year-old, <laughs> yes, as a four, I was four. I was not four. But when I was kind of like sixteen onwards, I say sixteen to eighteen. Dad always used to buy Cronenborgs, Cronenbergs, Cronenborgs, however you want to say it, and that's what I'd have at home with like dinner on Saturdays and stuff like that. So I always associate them with my dad for some reason, even though he doesn't drink them himself. <laughs> even though your dad doesn't really drink lager. <laughs> but even now, yeah, he doesn't drink doesn't really drink beer. He likes wine. But even now, he doesn't buy me. If say we go home for a weekend, he's like, "Do you want me to get some beers in?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he basically won't get me any ales because he thinks I'm weird. He thinks it's like something people with open toe sandals and socks drink. Um, <laughs> so he won't buy that, but he what he'll buy is just another beer from the Alsace. Yeah, you, it's always some sort of. Oh, what the bloody hell! It is begins it with a C. Oh, I actually Champ- quite like it. To be fair, Champignon. Yeah, Champignon. Champ- he just buys me. Like, no, that's the. That's the name of the supermarket. <laughs> no, that's the name of a fucking mushroom. Hold on. <laughs> but it's something like that. <clears throat> what is sure. it? God, I'm quite drunk now. You know, I don't. Yeah, think- Champignon's just mushroom. Only two more pints to have. I've only got one more pint to have, thank you very much. You just got to have it quite quickly. Okay, so generally, I'd say pretty good reviews all round for Cronenberg. If if you'd have asked me at the beginning of the episode which one I'd have gone for as my highest rated, it would have probably unfortunately been Stella. But (laughs) as much as I cringe a little bit inside when I say that, the 1664 has overtaken it. It's a good bit. And mine's out of a can as well. I had Stella out of a bottle. The... 1664 is out of can, and I'm three that's impressive. Deep, so yeah, mm. it's got more flavour, more maltiness, less of a kick. I'm really shocked that the one I like the most is also the one that you both like the most because my taste in beers and lagers is very different to both mm. of you. And also the one with the highest volume. Yes, this is the strongest. Oh Strong- really? Yeah, this yeah. is five percent. Five percent. I know there's not a big difference between like. 0.2% or 0.4%, like, especially if you're having one. But yeah, you you know, everyone else has mellowed down. Cronenberg have stuck to their guns and gone, fuck you. 
we're sticking with five. <laughs> and the beer I was referring to wasn't mushrooms, it was champignol. Not champignon, obviously. Champignol. I'm probably going to get loads that's, of shit. That's the from... same word, Rem. You, I don't know if you've realised that, but... It's not the same word. Champignol, not champignon. Okay, so what would you both score out of five Cronenberg 1664? Do you know what? <laughs> is, is this going to be a five? Yeah, I know. I was waiting for the five. No, I'm not going to go five. Five? I'm going to say four. Okay, that's bloody high praise. I'm also going to say four, purely because I said it was higher than the Stella about 30 seconds Ooh. ago. So I have to <laughs> Yeah, to be fair, yeah, because you, you marked the Stella at 3.8. Yeah, set the bar pretty high. I'm going to go for 3.8. I'm going to go 3.95. <laughs> Fuck me. Is your arse sore from sitting on the fucking fence? <laughs> 3.999 yeah. Okay, so let's have a quick look at what the internet was saying. So, interestingly, we've scored this what I think will be the highest, because I can't see the last beer beating this. Just you wait. <laughs> the internet agrees. So, Beer Advocates put it at 3.23, which is the highest score of all these on Beer Advocate, and Untapped put it at 3.11. So, actually, Untapped reckons Stella's better than this, but they don't know what they're talking about. Tasting notes... We all said it smelled a bit funky. Herbal. Yeah, but no one said this. And I, on a lot of the Beer Advocate reviews, they said it smelled of ammonia. Ammonia is a very distinctive, and your nose yeah. kind of quivers a bit. When you, when you get ammonia... <laughs> quivers? <laughs> that is a unique smell, is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very special. And then, I think it smells herbal. I'm sticking with yeah, that. Yeah, so a lot of people didn't mention that on the smell. They said on the taste it was a bit herbal, and they said that it it tasted boozy, which I would agree with. It tasted uh, boozy? Yeah, like it tastes... I think it tastes... It's I mean, booze. it might just be... <laughs> you know what I mean. You what? Know what really I mean. alcoholic? It tastes the most alcoholic to me of all of them. I can, yeah, and that's it's high percentage. And then generally the consensus was that it was good once through the smell, basically. It's literally what I said. Am I a beer reviewer now? Maybe. Okay then, so the last beer is Foster's. How could you ever have a conversation about big industrial lagers, especially in the UK, without mentioning Fozzies? It's got, in all fairness, it's a lot more interesting than Beck's, its backstory, which apparently is the most boring backstory of any beer in the world. So Foster's, it was founded in 1888 when two Americans, who were brothers, turned up in Melbourne, William M. and Ralph, oh, sorry, Rafe, F. Foxter? It might have been Ralph. Maybe Did they get shipped there as criminals? Or were they, no, what, no, was no. It voluntary? From America in 1888. So it was all voluntary. Did not everyone just send their criminals there? Was it just not us? everyone. Just oh. us. In all fairness, quite a few cool facts about Foster's. So actually, it was its first exported outside of Australia to Australian troops who were fighting in the Boer War, which is kind of interesting. Poor bastards. <laughs> Poor motherfuckers, yeah. Getting shit kicked out of you by massive South Africans all day and then you come home to a nice Foster's. And then they'd laugh at you about your terrible quality of the beer you're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> and then you'd probably get shouted at by an extremely posh and incompetent British person. In 1958, they introduced steel cans, rocked up in the 70s in the UK. First of all, it was only on draft in the UK and actually in Australia, it was only ever present in bottles and cans at the time and it was brewed on license by Watney and Watney Mann and Truman Breweries basically being absorbed into AB InBev you know we mentioned about the sugar the glucose in Cronenborg. in Cronenborg they've actually well. yeah this apparently even since the when it was first well not when it's first brewed but 
early on in the early 1900s it was brewed with cane sugar to net off the bitterness and apparently now they use rice in it so they don't have to use as much sugar i'm guessing rice is cheaper than putting as much sugar in it fair enough the yeast was bought from a professor jorgensen in 1923 who i think was from denmark and the hops they used or hop extract is supposedly only produced in two farms in australia and it's the super pride ringwood hop Again, like all these things we've spoken about, they kind of have big advertising, except for Beck's. So, I mean, in the UK, what I've seen it referred to as the Amber Nectar, I've heard Get Some Australian in You, and also Good Call. Good Call is the one that's in my mind. I I personally think they have the best marketing campaign. You think it's better than the Eric Kanzler Cronenberg series? Unfortunately, it sticks out. Like, purely because the consistency is in, there's always an advert out for Foster's. I mean, when was the last time you saw a Cronenberg advert? I mean, it might, they true. might have Foster's... the best advert, but Foster's are yeah. pumping cash into that advertising campaign. Yeah, that's true. I They're think... owned by AB and Bev, so they've got a lot of cash. Yeah. I think I've seen more Carlsberg adverts than I have Foster's, and I'd actually think Carlsberg, for me, is the most memorable. Yeah. Although the Stella one, I don't know. Yeah. Carlsberg, probably the best beer in the world, as a slogan, maybe not advertising like you're right there's all the fosters adverts and it's kind of like they're in australia and you get like the sizzle and it's really hot and i can visualize that but like the sentence probably the best beer in the world sticks in my head more than any of the others yeah i get that what's quite funny about fosters is you know this is kind of just rough internet research but apparently and i've heard this anecdotally off australians but apparently it's not particularly popular in australia not at all i don't think this is its main market yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's a go-to beer in Australia. And I think it's kind of like frowned upon. A bit like a pint of carling, I would argue. Mm, quite a nice, tasty carling. Okay, so Foster's, I think, definitely has some cultural revel- relevance relevance in the UK. What, what do you kind of both think about that? This is the beer that I associate with cans in the park. I mean, like, cans in the park with your mates. I don't mean people who are drinking cans in the park on their own. Yes, yeah. (laughs) That would be Skoll or, like, Super Tea or something like that. But, yeah, Foster's is maybe what I'd associate with, like, cans in the park with your mates. It's a hot day. Very inoffensive. Yeah, it gives you a good chance to whack out your probably slightly xenophobic Australian accent. Yeah. I I thought you were going to say something else, but whacking something else out. Whack out your cock. And, and or vag, depending on what baps. gender you're. Baps. You baps, you baps, you baps, you, you baps out. God, I'm really drunk now. Time to whack a pint. <laughs> Foster's also, they, they were kind of the first people that I remember really releasing a dedicated sort of Radler product. Yes, the Foster's Radler. Foster's Twist, is it called? Foster's Twist, yeah. yeah. And also great for beer-related products. They were good on the old, you get a, a hat or some glasses. Do you remember, Remy, they made that glove that you could was like a glove with like for yeah. putting a can in so you could not have to hold the can it would just kind of sit in the glove i mean yeah. it's the weirdest sounding thing you've ever heard in your life and they obviously only gave it away if you bought a pint of fosters no one was actually buying these products but yeah again all back to like merchandising and marketing and stuff like that not actually about mm. the quality of the beer what's quite interesting is that when it first turned up in the uk the recipe had to change because the recipe in the australia was specified for cans and bottles and when it first rocked up it was only on draft it was based on another lager called carlton lager and actually i think it was first brewed in brick lane in the Truban brewery which oh, now right. is an event space which is kind of interesting what do both of you think about the taste smell and look of fosters inoffensive Easy drinking, nothing to write home about. Three-word review. Yeah. I'd say colour-wise, 
I'd actually say it's the darkest. I actually quite enjoy a Foster's. So that's how I really like it. That That's not true. It's my guilty pleasure. When it comes to industrial lagers, it is my go-to. That's fair enough. I, th- I think it's it's cheap. Like Maya said, it's inoffensive. I think the taste is fine. Like, it's not overly flavourful. It's not overly heavy. It's fairly light. You know, if it's a hot day, I can sit and have a fair few of them. It is my go-to. It's not saying it's the best shit lager in the world, but it ticks a lot of boxes. It's not worst. It's not a fucking... It's not Carlin, is what you meant to say. I What I quite like about it is it is a bit kind of bitter and biscuity at one point. I don't think it's bitter at all. I think it's I'm... biscuit. I don't get, let's get the bitterness. I get the biscuit. I think because I'm so sensitive to the bitterness in beer and it just doesn't have that for me. Okay. But that's because it's equaled out by the amount of sugar in it. God yeah. knows how they do that. But it has got something in it. Maybe I'm over-egging it a bit. It is biscuity. Yeah, I don't, I have to say it's better than Beck's. Definitely, Beck's not much off. of a statement. Yeah, Brem like Beck's. I prefer it to rough. Stella. I prefer it to Stella. Prefer Stella. Yeah. Mm. I don't prefer it to Carlsberg or Cronenberg, but I prefer it to Stella and Beck's. For me, at this point, it goes Beck's, Stella, Foster's, Carlsberg, Cronenberg. Okay. Well, well, let's get on to that. So then, let's rate Foster's properly then. So. Uh, Maya, what do you rate it out of five? Three. Three. A solid three for Fozzies. Jim? A 3.9. What do I Highest. Oh, no, no, no. You gave four to Cronenberg. Yeah. So you've rated it higher than Stella. Yeah, I think purely because, it, you know, Stella is the sort of thing that I might have one or two in a pub if I know it's served well. There's a couple of pubs I know that really keep the Stella well, as ridiculous as that sounds. Mm. Whereas Foster's, I don't really think you can go wrong. Like, if you have it out of a can, it tastes all right. If you have it on draft, it tastes all right. Stella out of a bottle, I don't think tastes that great. So, mm. for me, it's it's not the best beer in the world. It's not at all anywhere near, like, the best beer ever. But you know what you're getting. And ultimately, surely that's the kind of purpose of an industrial lager. Like, it's yeah. con- mm. it comes back to this kind of, it's consistent. You know what you're getting when you have a pint of Foster's. Whether it's in a can, a bottle, or a draft, it's going to taste the same. Ren, what about you? Well, I've given it 3.45. But now I'm looking at the scores, and I've actually scored Carlsberg beneath it, and I'm not sure I agree with that. So Foster's on Tinternet. I bet it's slated. Yeah, it was the worst performing one. Somehow it was worse than Bex. How? God knows how. So Beer Advocate rates it 2.55 and Untapped 2.77. It was from the anecdotal sort of comments I looked at. It's an inoffensive aroma. It tastes of corn with the trace of hops, which I kind of get. But the biggest thing I noticed was on Untapped, loads and loads of Norwich fans liked it. And that's because I think Foster's sponsored Norwich City for ages um, right. and it was just loads of people you know the the beer tap you've got Jim yeah who've bought Perfect that draft. yeah Perfect and draft. then put on a Norwich City like acrylic on the outside of it yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, loads of people you, doing you that you get them wrapped yeah buying kegs of Stella and um, not Stella Foster's, Foster's and just enjoying it I'm surprised it's not higher because everyone I saw from Norwich City fan was ranking it quite highly but yeah it's come off worse so now we've got all the scores together and we've kind of tasted everything and we've got all of it in front of us let's go through what we all think is our kind of top five out of these particular beers so Maya do you want to go first so bottom fifth yeah Bex okay Bex bottom yeah then fourth for me would be Stella and then third would be Foster's, second would be Carlsberg, and first would be Cronenberg. Yeah, Jim, what about you, mate? Beck's at the bottom. 
Yeah. Then Carlsberg. Then probably the Cronenberg. Though I, I must admit my views of Cronenberg have improved. And then it's a real... I mean, from your scoring, though, Cronenberg's the top. Yeah, but yeah you, all you, I would say is that does kind of fuck you there, Jim. Because your scoring doesn't tally up with that at all. Yeah, but we, we, we it's all relative, Rem. We've we've That's had a chance true. to. This okay. is uh, yeah, no no no. no, no, no you've yeah, got yeah. a good point. Yeah, you've cool. got a good point. And then it's a real toss up between Stella and Fasters. Oh, is this an isolated this sampling or just in general? How in are you general. reviewing it? In general. In general. I would say then it would go Stella than Fosters, and I'm gonna get hate for that. Absolute hate. Okay, so for me, Bex is a fifth, and I love how ironic it is that. You know, everyone puts Germany on a pedestal as the brewing nation, and the only beer from Germany on this list is ranked it's bottom. Piss. It's yeah. fucking awful. Bex. Then I'm thinking. Fozzies. Hard. I'm thinking Kohlberg and Foster's together, but I don't want them to be next to Bex. I put them joint. Joint third. Just, joint third. Kohlberg plus Foster's. Because I. I'll they be do honest, a similar thing. They do a similar thing, and they're actually both better than I remember. Then I'm going to say Stella. And I'm going to finish with Cronenborg. It's a great day for France. So the takeaway from this is Bex is the worst. The takeaway from this is out of these particular industrial lagers, Bex is the worst. But all I would say is Carling is definitely worse than Bex. Yeah. I the takeaway is I haven't drank Bex in 10 years. Now I know what. So to finish this off, as with any industrial lager... It needs to be drunk how it would be out in the wild. Okay, so we're going to neck these beers. Well, skull everyone. Skull. I just let me straighten my spine. Yeah, that's when it's always... You've got to have a warm-up. Yachy darm. I'm done. I'm bloody done. Are you going to start soon, or...? (laughs) Chew it. Do you you need knife and fork? Go on, eat it. This is horrible. Some terrible chat. <laughs> now do I'm a little teapot. Nice. nice. Dead. <laughs> <laughs> sing, sing. Right. Okay, well that was great fun to be fair. Okay, so that was kind of our roundup of those industrial lagers. So quick reviews of Cronenberg, Stella, Carlsberg, Fosters and Bex. Bex came off worst and, well, on average, Cronenberg came off the best. Uh, but Jim also really like Fosters. <laughs> yeah. But they've all kind of had their place and maybe they are quite frowned upon now over the past 10 years. The, the landscape's very, very much changed. Any last thoughts on their kind of future? I do think that... You know, now we're in this place where there's so much choice in craft beer and in everything. Sometimes it is nice to just get an industrial lager and it's just nice to know, like we've mentioned, know exactly what you're getting, exactly what it's going to taste like and all of those sort of things. And there's a sense of familiarity about it. And I think going into this summer where we're probably not going to be able to go on holiday and things like that, I think drinks in the park with mates hopefully going to some british festivals camping things like that you know these sort of drinks are what i would want to drink in that situation i don't know why but to hmm. me they sort of thrive in in those in those situations oh, i think there's always going to be a place for beers like that you know they're not going to go away there's always going to be a time and a place and the people that want to drink these beers like you said it's a bit like a kind of a blanket isn't it you know you can't really go wrong unless you're drinking Bex or Carlin clearly <laughs> you know you know what you're getting it does what it says on the tin 
their average percentages. They're not particularly. I mean, probably a couple, a few years ago, they probably were quite high percentage beer. Now, with the way things are going and these kind of like super duper double IPAs and all these super stouts and everything else, they're not high percentage anymore. Four to five percent is kind of seen as the average. You can drink a lot of it. You get it. It's refreshing. It's refreshment in a pint. So why wouldn't you? Yeah, I, I think there's kind of a twofold thing here in that I describe them all as, maybe not Bex, but <laughs> social lubricators mm. in that you do know definitely what you're going to get and it kind of sits behind the conversation. It isn't the conversation, yeah. which I think is an important thing actually in drinking culture that's probably been missed off over the past 10 years. The craft beer movement has been really good but maybe the focus has been too much on the beer in a weird way. And I'm not saying every beer should be like Foster's. I don't I don't believe that. But there should be a little bit of, you know, it sits behind the conversation and it just... Bit of give and take. Yeah, exactly. Very it's defi- philosophical of you, right? Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's like he just rewrote the Geneva Convention. <laughs> I'm so um, drunk. <laughs> I mean, the other thing I would say is... And this isn't necessarily my opinion, but do you think they maybe fulfil a role was like, this is a terrible phrase, but like a gateway beer? <laughs> gateway beer. That could be bullshit, Jesus. you know, I don't, I don't know no, what I'm I talking about, but this is just an idea. No, I completely understand what you're saying. Like, my younger brothers are now in their early 20s, and I think of, you kind of recognise it more when you see it in someone else rather than in your own action. And seeing them start to drink things like Copperbergs and stuff like that, and in my head, knowing that they weren't going to drink that forever. Do you know what I mean? Like to them, they were like, well, these are like the nicest drinks. These are what I really like. And in my head, I was like, yes, because you're 18. But I guarantee you, you know, in 10 years time, that isn't what you're going to want to drink. Any final thoughts on industrial yeah, and Anything else anyone wants to mention? Or should we move on to the blind taste? No, not really. I think obviously when you do a beer podcast, people assume that you're going to slate beers like this and obviously some of them have been slated quite rightly so in my opinion but that's all it is my opinion but at the same time <laughs> allegedly they you know they've sold billions of pints of this stuff for a reason yeah and maybe that maybe that reason is marketing but maybe that reason is because it's not all that bad so each their own yeah i'd agree with that broadly <laughs> i think that's a lovely note to end on no. what a great note to end on great note I of reconciliation so Drunk. So now <laughs> we're not ending. We've still got another fucking beer to drink. So now we're going to go into the blind taste, where myself and Jimmy will probably embarrass ourselves again. We've not managed to nail any of these. Supposedly, this one we will definitely get. I'm looking at it now, and I honestly think it does look like a cracking pint. I've got a full pint of it. But the only thing I would say is I've had quite a few industrial lagers now, and I'm anyone's. I'll be honest. Yeah. I to could... be fair, yeah, it looks it looks like a. Cool but it color. looks okay, bloody head. good. Like Maya's been the, the head dropped off very quickly. Oh, really? Mine's, mine's still about knocking it. about. So no, my, mine went flat. Maya really served quick. it to me in this lovely tankard I bought from Black Sheep Brewery. Please sponsor us. <laughs> no, not us. Just you. you're my favourite. <laughs> I will literally drink anything you produce. <laughs> so yeah, what does it look like? Describe the describe the look. It looks to us. like it's what I would call a, a nutty. Ale. Yeah, nutty type thing. Ale. It's quite dark. It's autumnal. I, I'll be honest, and this doesn't help because I can barely smell anything because of the coronavirus. But I can't, I can't smell anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I haven't got a clue what it smells like. <laughs> Fucking corona. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, it's got that rich, malty, again, slightly metallic taste to it. 
slightly smell, sorry. <laughs> it tastes of metal. Fantastic. Okay, give it give it a sip. I have drunk quite a lot of water before this to try give it and a sip. wash out my palate. You know this. Give it a big oh, old go. I'm going to get this wrong. I'm give it pissed a off that we keep being told we're going to get this in yeah, one. No, but this one. Guys, come on. Big old gulp. Okay. I, much like the Whitstable Bay, am so confident I've drunk a lot of this in my life. <laughs> but for the living daylights, can tell you what the fuck it is. No, Remy, you can't. You can't. You've drunk so much of it. You can't. Bloody delicious. <laughs> it's so good. It is very nutty. It's dark. It's nutty. It's autumnal. It's fucking great. So what style is it? I'd say it's kind of a dark amber ale. An amber ale. Style. Amber right. ale bitter type thing. Yeah. No, it's that? not a bitter, is it? It's not bitter enough to be a bitter, I don't think. Remy's drunk half the bottle. It's delicious. It's, it's really nice. I'd, I'd like to make it clear, whatever this turns out to be, it's really good. I, I want you to try it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What percentage do you think it is? 4.4 uh, 4, 4 exactly, actually. 4 exactly. 3.8 to 4.5. Okay. Okay, what do I regularly drink? So I've drunk a lot of this. It, is it? It's not Landlord. You know what? It bloody could be Timothy Taylor's Landlord. I, okay. thought, it wrong, I thought it was the wrong Okay, colour. guys, guys, just because I want you to get this one. It's not, it's not it's Landlord. It's not Timmy Taylor. Yeah. It's, so not, when it's, Anna too said it's not It's too It's not even the right colour now I think about it. When Anna, sent me the, <laughs> when Anna sent me the choice, she sent me a photo of Timmy Taylor's Landlord because oh. she was like, let's do one they'll get. So she sent me a photo of that and then she was like, no. This one. They'll definitely get it. Okay, so now I've engaged my brain. It's, number one, too dark and too nutty to be landlord, which is a shame. Big up Timothy Taylor's. What if it's something like either something we've mentioned in previous episodes, such as Sharp's Doom Bar? It's not, <laughs> it's not fucking Doom Bar. Shut up about Doom Bar. Or Spitfire you know, Kentish Ales. <laughs> My favourite thing about this whole podcast thing was, and I don't know how you felt about this when you when, when we sent you the episode and you listened back to it, was when I say I've not drunk Ding Bar in like three years or something, and the thing, you're like, there's this like, pause. Oh my god, no, there's this like two second pause, and then Jimmy just goes, my god, <laughs> what's wrong with you? Okay, let's have another taste. Right, okay, let's look at this seriously now. It's okay. got a little bit of a fizz to it. It's very nutty. It's actually quite sweet. Fucking hell. <laughs> it's not from Yorkshire. So embarrassed. Um, it's it's obviously a UK, in like British. So you yeah. think it's from the UK, British? Yeah. Yeah. I think what we've done here is we've said amber ale bitter, but we've neglected a style because all the styles in this area are quite similar. Brown ale. Oh, you think you're going with Nuki Brun? Well, that's uh, a good yeah, shout. Fuck it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why yeah. not? I think you are. I think you're on the money. What I think is freaking me out, though, is that actually, because I never have it at home, I have it if I go out. And actually, I watched a beer channel recently on YouTube, and I've done some more research, and Newcastle Brown Ale gets loads of shit from the craft beer community, because apparently it's got sugar in it, and we've always mentioned that. But, you know, I'm a bit like, fuck it, I don't care, it's quite nice. And you can do the fun thing where you put it in the pint glass. Yeah, it's got the sweetness... It's and that is quite and nutty. It's got the fizz. Newcastle but, Brown Ale to me has always yeah. got a bit of a fizz to it. So yeah. what's and, it, what... and the thing that's thrown me, sorry, what I was actually trying to say, and I just went off on a massive tangent, was I usually have it when I'm out and it's cold. Because if there's something I don't like on tap or on cask, then I'll have a Nuki Brown, and it's usually freezing 
And I think yeah. that's what's massively thrown me, is that this isn't freezing. No, I, I think you're on the money there. I think that is the, that is what we're drinking. So do you agree it's the Newcastle Brown Ale, Jim? Yeah, I think as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah, it's right. It's got it's not as low percentage as we said from memory. Yeah, I, don't, I think it's higher. I think it's close it's, to like 5, isn't it? Yeah, it's like 4.8 or 5, yeah. which is ridiculous. And it's got that bit of fizz to it, which not like actual bubbles fizz but a kind of a and a higher alcohol percentage fizz which is hard to describe unless you're drinking it but yeah it's a nutty brown ale and i think yeah it's pretty good so thumbs up or thumbs down thumbs up it's a thumbs up from me so it's 4.7 percent yeah yeah it's a brown ale oh. yeah well it's the only brown ale out it's there it's from newcastle it's newcastle it's brown ale <laughs> Well done. And one what, thing, what fact did you get on the back? It's the, the same one. It's I never see dog. anyone different. About the man Newcastle walking the dog. Newcastle Brown Ale is affectionately known as dog by those in the know. I'm going to see a man about a dog. <laughs> That's literally what it says. That wasn't me doing an accent. It says Gannon. Um, I'm going to see a man about a dog. I'm taking the dog for a walk. <laughs> We're often used by Geordie men as an excuse to visit their local to sample their beloved tipple. That's a nice, you know, nice gender-balanced uh, comment there. One interesting thing about Newcastle Brown Ale... See, it says drink cold on the back, but I didn't put it in the fridge. Yeah, you yeah. are supposed to... In th- this oh, is did you, why was yours I, not cold? Mine no, was cold. this is why it threw me off. It genuinely <laughs> no. threw me off. It threw me off to fuck, because I've only ever had it freezing. Because the star changes colour. The star changes... This is supposed so, to be blue. my mum loves Newcastle Brown Ale. My mum's pretty much teetotal, but then every now and then, she'll just be like, I really fancy a Newcastle Brown I Ale. I bought her a Newcastle Brown Ale for her 59th birthday. <laughs> just one £2.20 yeah. bottle. <laughs> yeah, she was, like, she was like, there's nothing that I want, or whatever. And Remy bought her this bottle of Newcastle Brown Ale, and she was like... Shall we share it? Yeah, she shared it with me at a half a pint. You are a greedy bastard. You know I didn't want no. Honestly, it was forced upon me. It was forced. Upon she was me. like, "I'll never drink this whole bottle." <laughs> Interesting thing about Newcastle Brown Ale is that in the UK you only have it bottled, but in America and other Drag. places on the continent, oh. you can have it on keg. Really? Have you ever had it? It's horrible. No, I've never had it. I remember looking at it in Lithuania and thinking, "Hell no." Yeah. It gets loads of shit, especially because it has like the glucose syrup and stuff in it. But actually, I think if you gave it to quite a lot of crafties, then I think they would be Well, initially surprised. you were both like, it's an amber ale. Yeah, then nuttiness took over. Yeah, and it's very, it's a bit like, um, it smells a bit like coffee, I think. Smelling it now. It's I bit, literally it, can't it, fucking smell it, it's annoying. It's you a know bit what? like a coffee porter. doesn't taste like that, just smell like it. Similar to... And actually, I'm sure they'd be fuming if I said this, but Sam Smith's do a nut brown ale in mm. a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I actually think it's a kill lot... you for yeah, suggesting. I am so proud of the two of you. Maya, have you tried it yet? You need to give it. a It sickle. is delicious. I don't. I be. I say this. I know we said that it wasn't our go-to, but I do really like it, regardless. It tastes like coffee. Yeah, it see, it's like got coffee. that kind of coffee. Smells like coffee, of... tastes like yeah. coffee. It tastes like a. Do you know what it tastes like? Nuts. Tia Maria watered down. No, oh. it doesn't. <laughs> no, it's not that. It tastes of nuts. Do you know what? That's the first time I've ever tried it. It's way better than I thought. I it would like be. it. I, I genuinely do like it. Well, there we go. Um, victory at last. Victory at last. We hit the nail on the head, or the dog on the head. With Newcastle Brown Ale. This is the fourth one, yeah? So one out of four. Yeah, one out of four. So we're going bloody strong. (laughs) 
that's all for this episode thank you so much for listening please make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts we're available on apple spotify and Castbox. please give us a follow over on instagram where our handle is at lagotops podcast and we look forward to seeing you for another episode hopefully where we end up slightly less pissed thanks see you soon bye, bye. love you lots bye